Welcome to the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update. It's your host, Robert Hunt, where I look at the week's financial news. That can be a bit confusing, misleading, and take you off course and help to make it actionable, understandable, and clear. What a week. Woo! What a show we've got for you. That's right. One of the most significant information drops year-round for the investor occurred this week. We are going to be looking at Warren Buffett's annual letter to his Berkshire shareholders. That's going to consume the bulk of the show, I certainly hope. My director will allow it, and producer. And <clears throat> we're then going to look at the John C. Bogle Center for Financial Literacy, I believe. Uh, they are a recent follow on Twitter, and there's a quote that's too good. I've got to share it with you guys. And then in closing, as time allows, we're going to look at a Wall Street Journal article that tells us all the ways that we can lock in yields above 5%. Is that something we should even care about? At the top, Berkshire Hathaway's annual letter that Warren Buffett writes. If you are interested in finding this, you can check the show notes, but you can also simply just visit the Berkshire Hathaway website, and it looks like it was made in 1998, and they haven't changed it since. But you go to the latest year and you can read the letter he buffett uh, at the beginning gives a sweet tribute to mr charlie munger giving him credit for all that he has done munger was buffett's right-hand man throughout all of berkshire hathaway and for those who don't know who mr warren buffett is you could chat gpt it google it or just believe me when i say he's he is currently the greatest investor to probably ever live and he loves index funds and he picks stocks, so how's that for a paradox? But I want to illustrate just a couple. With all these letters, he's he acts as a wonderful teacher. And so if you're not going to read the letter, which I hope you do, I'm going to highlight some of the most important parts of this letter and what we can learn from it. So page three of the letter, he writes this. At Berkshire, Berkshire Hathaway, we have a more limited target talking about who he's writing this to, investors who trust Berkshire with their savings without any expectation of resale, resembling in attitude people who save in order to buy a farm or rental property rather than people who prefer using their excess funds to purchase lottery tickets or hot stocks. He continues, over the years, Berkshire has attracted an, an unusual number of such lifetime shareholders. So what is Buffett communicating here? Well, he is writing this to people who treat ownership in Berkshire Hathaway stock the way families treat ownership in a farm or a rental property. What does he mean by that? Okay, Berkshire Hathaway is a publicly traded security that trades throughout the day like any other stock, like NVIDIA, like anything else. What Buffett's analogizing for us is he's saying the manner in which you hold this publicly traded security that trades throughout the day should be the same as that of a farmer or a rancher or someone who buys rental property. You should not think about it the way someone with a lottery ticket or a hot stock to buy today, sell tomorrow. Not only is it more profitable for you, the investor, but it's also a whole lot easier living. You're not having to look at quotes of the day. This, this may sound ho-hum and obvious to you. I assure you it is unique in the investment universe, very, very few investors will hold 
publicly traded stocks the way, the same way their family will hold a farm. There's too much temptation. The, the news cycle is too good at convincing you the world's ending, and it's too easy to. I mean, it's gotten, it has gotten so easy to sell stocks and buy, which is great, but with a click of a button on your smartphone, you're gone. You're liquid. I mean, it, it, it could take 30 seconds. Maybe you could time, time yourself. Don't do it, but to be completely liquid, good luck doing that with a family farm. But think like that. What Buffett's telling you is think like an owner. That's who he's writing to. He's saying, think like an owner. He reminds us on page five how difficult it is to pick stocks, which, of course, is in a sense what he's done. He's about private business. But talking about what he does, he says this, our goal at Berkshire is simple. We want to own either all or a portion of businesses that enjoy good economics that are fundamental and enduring. Within capitalism, some businesses will flourish for a very long time, while others will prove to be sinkholes. Here's the important part. Gather the children around the fireplace, around the family radio. Here we go, children. Lean in. It's harder than you would think to predict which will be the winners and losers. And those who tell you, they know the answer are, are usually either self-delusional or snake oil salesmen. Mm-hmm. Mr. Buffett's words and not my own. So, let me reiterate. Folks who tell you they know which stock is going up and which stock is going down and act like it's not that big a deal, they, they act like they know the answer. They, I think it's more self-delusion than anything, but yes, there's snake oil salesmen as well. This is a grand endorsement for the index fund. Mr. Buffett, greatest to ever do it, is telling you this is far far more difficult exercise than you could imagine. And he's right. The older I get, the more convinced I am of just how difficult it is. Now, Mr. Buffett always has had this incredible rule. This is on page seven of the letter. <clears throat> he, he, there was one time someone asked him, you know, what, what should I think about investing? He says this. He says, never, ever, 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 ever lose money. It's kind of a ha-ha whatever, but he says it this way. <clears throat> Buffett writes, one investment rule at Berkshire has not and will not change. Never risk permanent loss of capital. Thanks to the American tailwind and the power of compound interest, the arena in which we operate has been and will be rewarding if you make a couple of good decisions during a lifetime and avoid serious mistakes. This is the greatest to ever do it talking to you. Can you believe it's that easy? He says, Never risk permanent loss of capital. Now, the the rub is, well, how do I ensure I don't do that? Okay, you know, stay with us here. One podcast cannot suffice for the entirety of this financial education that is required. However, however, just know risking permanent loss of capital is a really bad idea. And what are some ways to do it? These aren't Buffett's words. These are my own. Borrow a bunch of money. Uh speculate in securities that may or may not work out, buy assets that may be worth zero in the future. Now, easier said than done. But just remember, it doesn't take a lot. Buffett says, and will be rewarding if you make a couple good decisions. Just a couple during your lifetime. A couple good decisions. And avoid serious mistakes. You're going to be fine. Some of this can be about be careful of greed, right? Ooh, there's great gain in godliness with contentment. Be careful, listener. 
And then <clears throat> he gives a great story here on page nine. Um, Berkshire Hathaway, as some of you know, they own shares in American Express and Coca-Cola that they've owned, feel like, for a very long time. He writes, During 2023, we did not buy or sell a share of either Amex, that's American Express, or Coke, extending our Rip Van Winkle slumber that has now lasted well over two decades. Both companies, again, rewarded our inaction last year by increasing their earnings and dividends. Indeed, our share of Amex earnings in 2023 considerably exceeded the $1.3 billion cost of our long-ago purchase. And we'll say that again. The earnings from the Amex investment exceeded the original cost they put down. So if they put down 100 bucks when they bought the investment, it's earning more than 100 bucks every single year. Now, Buffett is, is hitting us over the head with this truth, and this is rare. We, I think we take him for granted. Just about everyone in the financial advice business, just about in the mutual fund business, disdains this sort of posture towards investing. The idea that you can simply sit and do nothing and be successful. Because it's difficult to pay someone a large salary if they're just going to sit on, for 20 years, the same securities as Buffett's done. But Buffett's investing his own money. He's, he's aligned. Alignment, alignment, alignment. It really matters. And this is not an, an advertisement for stock picking either. If you go back and look at the performance of Coke or Amex over the last 20 years, you don't look and say, oh, wow, isn't that the, isn't that the ticket? I should have just bought Coke. I should have just bought Amex. No, no, hardly. N neither, I mean, both you could almost call a value stock. In the last you know, 10-year period even, you look at Coke and it's up 57%. That's that didn't beat the market or anything. Uh, Amex, who knows? But I bet in the last I'm, I'm doing the ten year for you. But um, in the last ten years, Amex is up 140 percent. Again, that's nothing. What's the secret sauce? Time. He just sat on it. It 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 it's not actually that big a deal that you that he lagged the market on these securities the last decade. What matters is he just bought a long time and left it. Let it be. Let it be, let it be, let it be, oh, let it be. Please let your investments sit and let them be. And few can do it. Sometimes they need to hire, and they should hire an hourly financial advisor to help encourage them to let it be. So there's a ton more in this letter. I'm just skating on the veneer of a vast glacier of truth beneath us. And I would encourage you, Read letters like this. Don't read kind of information packets sent out by major banks or investment houses that are telling you quarter quarter by quarter kind of information on the markets. It's garbage, 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 garbage. So check it out. Um, the John C. Bogle Center for, I think, financial literacy, but it's um, here's a quote by Mr. Jack Bogle. No matter how efficient or inefficient markets may be, the returns earned by investors as a group must fall short of the market returns by precisely the amount of the aggregate cost they incur. It is the central fact of investing. Now, I don't expect you to digest that perfectly, but I want you to, the very end, Bogle, one of the greatest of all time, says the central fact of investing is actually not how efficient or inefficient markets are. The guy that popularized the index fund, who everybody says, oh, but it's all... 
the index fund, that, that just, you have to believe markets are efficient. No, you don't. Not hardly. It doesn't matter whether they're efficient or inefficient. Can you believe that? The Robert Hunt Financial Market Update's telling you it actually doesn't matter that much whether markets are efficient or inefficient. Now, they happen to be very efficient, but that's not the secret sauce. What does Bogle say? The returns earned by investors as a group, that means everybody, they're going to fall short of the market returns by precisely the amount of the costs. So if 100 people are in a room and they owned every publicly traded security and half of them elected to hire advisors that paid a fee and the other half just continued owning every security, which group will perform better? In aggregate, the group that doesn't pay the fees, even though, wouldn't you know it, in the advisor fee-laden area, there will be outliers because histogram distributions demand it. There will be top 10 percenters because that's how data works. But just remember, when anyone gives you a hard time as an index fund investor, they say, oh, don't you know how inefficient markets are? Don't you, don't you know the dislocations and, and, the, and the craziness that can happen in the market and you got to pounce on that and jump on it? I mean, you, you can say, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I, I recognize that. That's not the secret sauce. The secret sauce to index fund investing is cost. That is what will make the index fund investor lap the active fund investor over time. Oh, by the way, yes, of course, it is ruthlessly efficient and is more ruthlessly efficient every year that goes by. Because why? We live in the information age, and anyone and everyone can now absorb information and act upon it, including AI bots, including hedge funds that hire drone pilots to fly over farms to anticipate what corn yields will be to short Monsanto. I mean, the stuff that people do to engage in price discovery and public traded securities is bewildering at times. All to the benefit of the index fund investor. The winds are a-blowing, and if your sales are up, index fund investor... You are going to be just fine. To get those sales up, you got to invest. You just got to put yourself out there. <clears throat> and in closing, a Wall Street Journal article, I feel this merited. Communicating, this is by Debbie Carlson. Headline, four ways to lock in yields above 5%. With the Fed likely to start cutting interest rates this year, now's the time to act to preserve today's higher income. Let's take this thought captive, shall we? Is it the time to lock in yields? Do we? believe the Fed will likely start cutting rates. There are all these presuppositions in the financial news, which, in Debbie Carlson's defense, she must do. She must give us information that we find interesting and at some time, and sometimes even provocative, and if it bleeds, it leads. So there's a call to action here. Is it a legitimate call to action? Nope. Nope, nope, nope. You don't have to do anything. We have no idea what the Fed will do. Yes, there are predictions that the Fed will lower rates, but it was just this week that I read, yeah, now we're thinking about hanging here for a little bit. We're going to hang here. So Ms. Carlson does give ideas. They are legitimate. They all en engage in some sort of complexity, including multi-year guaranteed annuities. You know, I don't like anything with the word annuity in it. Define maturity ETFs. I do like ETFs. They are cheaper, but and define maturity can keep it simple. Preferred stocks. This is a call it almost a hybrid security where it's kind of half bond, half stock, and you get higher yields. Um, but I don't really care for them. And then exchange traded debt, which was a new one to me, actually. It's kind of a smaller slug of debt to lock in high yields. Listener, you have to do none of these. Absolutely none. You don't need to feel any heartburn about locking in yields. If you, I mean, the real simple way to lock in longer yields, if you really think the market's going to tank, is just 
buy bonds, buy the ticker BND. Um, it's the uh, Vanguard ETF uh, bond fund. It's huge, costs 0.03%. It has a whole range of maturities that are, you know, I think the average return might be seven, eight, nine years. You can do that, or you can just put your money in a money market fund and not worry about playing the Fed, which is, I think, the right answer. Our brains as investors only have so much that we can capture and then execute on. The more complexity you introduce into your cash management strategy, in my experience, the less likely you are to actually execute it well. So we went on that huge I-bonds thing. Everybody bought those I-bonds. And for good reason. It was a fine reason to do it. But now guess what we're having to do? Because the rate we got to sell the I-bonds. And will we remember to sell the I-bonds? And what will we rotate into? And what's the next? You know what works? You can almost say it out loud, can't you? Children, if you're listening, I want you to say the punchline with me. What are we doing? Keeping our cost low. Keeping our vesting simple. Keeping our time horizon long. Even in cash management, guys. Even in cash management, all those three still apply. Because that's what's going to give us the best shot on our investing journey. Until next week.